Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Go to tacticalpermaculture.com for more info. You gotta train for me Because I'm training for you We gotta love, love And revolution to do You better train for me Episode 12, Perimeter Defense from Cybersecurity to Rodent Patrol, originally published November 12th, 2021. Less abstract and philosophical this time, um, more more of a, uh, a journaling of uh, recent events and catching up on some things that um, exemplify the... Uh, Guarding the garden, tactical permaculture concept. Applying, applying um, training concepts from the uh, the martial arts world and the physical security world, which I think applies to everybody. So. Whether you were, whether or not you you are or have ever been a part of a formal institutional security force or security operation, I've ha- I've often had the thought that uh, if you're a landowner, you you as the person who is um, chosen by your group or the person who or the only person, if you're the only person, then you have to be the doctor, the military general, the military private, the infantry, the Marines, the Navy, the accountant, the farmer, the gardener, the horticulturalist, the um, veterinarian, right? You have to be able to do everything yourself to some degree in this situation where I'm at doing what I'm doing, this is the most, um, the most austere, the most, uh, lone wolf I've ever been. I've been this remote and this austere and this lone wolf, but for much shorter periods of time earlier in life. So this, this period now, uh, spanning about nine months is really the, um, yeah, the longest um, solo survival experiment that I've been on where it's not about going out naked with the Rambo knife and making traps and eating bugs and using various water harvesting, filtration, purification methods. Those are all forms of primitive skills, bushcraft, etc., that that can be trained and that can be facilitated on this property uh, appropriate to the biome. But first and foremost, there has to be a functioning base camp 
that is well well supplied, well secured, and well established in in its um, regenerative design and, and implementation. So it would for me it would be more of a hobby exercise, a hobby experiment to go and try to rough it alone with nothing and survive in that sense. This is a different a different uh, protocol. So. Since the last, since the last update on my activities, my projects, my implementation of the designs, the zoning, and and whatnot, I believe I last left off talking about digging swales and ponds and preparing for the rains having had small amounts to just give me the very, very baseline, very limited baseline understanding of what I need to do to be to be hardened and to be robust in my strategy to capture rainwater and to not get blown to shit by sandstorms and um, secure and and really overbuild and and uh, streamline all of the everything I want to not get completely destroyed and or blown away by epic sandstorms. And then, of course, how do I? What do I want to keep dry, and how do I do that? So, and since then. Since the big sandstorm that I uh, that was felt across the west coast, well, the big windstorm that was a sandstorm for me that was felt in different different biomes, but uh, for me it was a multi-hour epic, can't see a meter in front of you sandstorm where bunches well, a few things got got blown got blown uh, pretty far away, but I was able to track them down the next day and. And it was just a humbling experience. Um, so learning from that, and having the the sense that 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 could happen at any time with very little notice, and um, so it's just that the idea of using feng shui notions of uh, really. To looking at everything I can all of the all of the functions of daily life all of the things that you open and close all the things that you take out and put away all the things that you secure and unsecure and and just optimizing and iterating and reiterating on optimizing a, a flow flows of those systems those those just the basic use of of items and toiletries and you know, it's it's very much a it's very much a, a you know truckstead glamping campsteading type of situation so the considerations are how do you keep stuff how do you keep what you eat with from disappearing or being or being contaminated by by um, 
all kinds of things, uh, all kinds of life forms out there carrying different uh, different pathogens. Um, how do you deal with things like Legionella and and water storage and uh, and so I'm really after that big storm. I'm really wanting to always make sure that everything everything is always ready to take that beating and 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 survive it and and be weighted down properly and be be barricaded so if it could slide away it would stop at a certain point and uh so so it's funny because it doesn't look extreme it looks if you you know looking at it uh it, it it looks um it looks pretty uh pretty serene or pretty pretty i guess normal you could say um but but there are little nuances of the positioning of things and the the ordering of things so that if at any moment there's a massive gust of wind or a 10 hour sandstorm or a rainstorm then water goes where i want it to um, things are waterproofed appropriately, tucked away in certain ways. And, uh, and as I have every day since the weather has gotten far more forgiving and I've been able to actually work with the full sun, um, I was only able to work a couple few hours a day up until the last maybe week or two, couple weeks where where I could get away with uh, full exposure to the sun for the first time in nine months, or about nine months, and uh, so I've been able to really get a lot done, and it's a lot of very subtle and very elegant things, just cleaning stuff up, getting getting a lot of the debris from the ruins of the previous structure here, um, stripping out the nails, building stuff with the with the usable lumber sorting things out uh into into piles so that i have less and less and less that will that will eventually end up being taken off site to go to a landfill but repurposing almost everything and just getting that project done was epic the 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 energy flow and the feeling of how welcoming it, it feels now that there's not this um, death trap of a of a of ruins with all kinds of sharps and broken glass and nails everywhere. Like I just had to work around it. I even buried some of it just so it wouldn't snag me. And you know, knowing okay, eventually I'm have to sort it out. Well, I finally, as of today, just finished sorting out the last of the. Uh, of that debris and now it's from using a sawzaw with a metal blade to cut wonky nails out of things and uh, now it's actually safe enough and welcoming enough that uh, that it would be appropriate to start having guests that I work with to train or that need a break from the city or my next prerogative with uh, anybody visiting here is that I want to go through the uh, 
Dr. Joe Alton, Alton and and Nurse Amy Alton go through their uh, ultimate survival guide. Uh, ultimate, I think it's called the ultimate survival medicine guide. I think is what it is. It's a kind of an abridged version of of a more epic work of theirs. Um, but as I go through their podcast, and I'm getting close to catching up on hundreds of episodes, and so I will do a a review and check in on that uh, soon, pretty soon. But uh, I just feel like um, the most appropriate thing I could do in, in, with spending any amount of time with any anyone else, and for very good reason here, um, it's to actually build the muscle memory of applying bandages and tourniquets and doing the triage getting better at feeling for pulse and just really drilling the uh the wilderness first aid medical uh citizen first responder stuff and so that anybody here has a baseline and that just so i have always have an ongoing you know i mean what what could be a better home game a better um pastime a better way to to be to practically be um engaged with the reality of of life and and reality of being actually um capable of, of rendering aid but more more importantly just being being a competent adult and not being from on a spectrum of being embarrassingly inept to to uh, to, to criminally inept in with the ability to render aid It's uh the more you the more I learn about it, the more mortified I am that I that I hadn't gotten more more training earlier, and that I hadn't made it more of a of a habit and more of a it, it you know I I got I went through the cert course, community emergency response team training. I I have had food handlers permit and and first aid card. Um. But it's not in my muscle memory. It's not. I don't do this every day. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a first responder. So, but out here, it's a guarantee that we're out of outside of that golden hour. So, any I better be a competent first responder, and I better train people. And every yeah, the the, the, uh, the value add is that if I have someone here and I work with them to go through that manual and practice everything possible, and and, and practice teaching and speaking from that manual as 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 you know in a presentation form it's just going to continue to give me that drilling so that I can feel very confident with them of course I've been treating my own wounds which luckily have not been life-threatening thus far uh, and as of today I think I finally finished finally finished being in beast mode to take on the beasts of a lot of gnarly dangerous hazardous uh just old sharp rusty 
just, you know, what I've learned over the years is like, I always get the deeper wounds and the, the worse bleeds and the, uh, the worse infections when, when my safe and, and, and almost meditative, meditative pace of movement, when that accelerates at all, so moving, moving fast, um, being in a rush, moving fast, that's when if you would have grazed that nail or you would have stepped on something, you would have had time to feel it out and, and, and move more like a cat and just move in a more deliberate way. Um, and of course, the more mindful and more deliberate, more experienced and agile you are in your body, you know, when you need to move fast, you can and you'll have you won't be clumsy. I don't feel like I'm clumsy in general, but uh but I have learned the hard way again and again that uh the key to not getting injured and not having the nail go all the way into the flesh or the splinter joust all the way into where it's going to cause an infection or to not have that that scrape break the skin and pop a vein open it's usually the difference is made by the velocity of the hand or the foot or whatever uh going across colliding with that with that uh that object so the the as the pandemic has um progressed and, and certainly in the times of the of the of the most intense summer heat where i knew if i injure myself i'm not going to be able to i w- i would be killed by the sun so i have to be avoid certain things and whatever i do i got to do it slowly and um it's nice to be able to be self-employed, unemployed, uh, gainfully unemployed, gainfully self-employed at this time so that I can do things at the proper pace without that um, expectation to put myself at risk. And uh, yeah, I have did throw my back out uh, a number of times. I, I talked about that previously. It's doing great right now. Um, feeling great about its ability, the resilience of my my lower back to to get back to 100% and stay there. And as long as I don't push or pull or drag or lift anything too crazy, or if I, when I do, you know, I I kind of um, keep learning, okay, you know what, I think I'm going to no longer use five gallon jugs for water. I think I'm just going to use single gallon jugs and move them one by one because I'm not trying to impress anybody and that's the kind of thing that whatever eight gallon eight pounds of eight approximately eight pounds per gallon of water so five gallons that's 40 40 pounds just the awkwardness of trying to move that around and get it in and out of places and that's sort of the go-to but uh that's more that's plenty of weight 
to be tweaking your back around to throw it out and therefore like thinking about okay in a survival situation if you're going to be prepared uh that's going to be the first thing okay great all right i'm in a survival situation i better go you know open up that five gallon jug of water in the back of the truck and just moving it at all you throw your back out and now you're that much less uh capable to respond and that much grumpier uh, throughout the ordeal so yeah I'm, I'm i'm continuing continually facilitating better better flows of movement better ergonomics and uh, for more safety and looking forward to to opportunities to to really focus on a, a first aid boot camp kind of experience as a as a prerequisite module to do more fun stuff here um, I just realize i'm I'm very far behind and it's very theoretical and I can hear about it and read about it uh, but it's not going to be it, it needs to be automatic it needs to be uh, requiring very little fine fine motor skill and, and and cognition to be able to just slap on a tourniquet and and act accordingly for example um, so where this gets into the the tactical updates is where is uh, the the epic mission where I brought back um, two yards of the cleanest compost you can get in Southern California so far that I've that I'm aware of on the in the commercial sector I'm sure there's way way more magical alchemical biodynamic compost products uh, that that can be found in the underground marketplace but as far as what uh, what what me in my experience in the permaculture landscaping um, industry you know if you're going to get a a dump truck delivery you want to get stuff as as clean as possible so there is a place that uh that that proudly claims to not accept any of those those uh, municipal residential green bins so you're eliminating a lot of the spraying that goes onto lawns and a lot of the dog shit and a lot of the spilt oil pans from people changing their oil a lot of the broken glass and syringes and things you get at the free public mulch piles where i've spread mountains of that stuff and uh and and it ends up just going down to tons of broken glass and and uh and just plastic miscellaneous and and whatnot um and who knows yeah just really gnarly it gets people tested and they find out it's just the worst some of the worst stuff and that's just because of what people throw in their green bins unfortunately it's just a tragedy of the commons one of many so for me and my colleagues to be able to find sources of uh, mulch and compost where they you know there's no guarantee 100 percent. i i see the, the the trucks going in there uh, and i i assume it's kind of an honor system that they're not sneaking in a bunch of uh a bunch of uh toxic materials but uh seems like mostly arborists and landscapers that are trimming the types of uh of of plant species and trees and shrubs and whatnot that are not themselves getting a lot of uh, applications on those limbs that they're cutting that's the hope 
and uh, so far so good. Um, so two yards of that plus uh, several fruit trees and a couple of vines and uh, fruit fruit and, and berry vines and a number of herbs, potted herbs, and also a, a, an epic um, stash of uh, alliums and other tubers from the produce section where you can restart, you can harvest uh the greens, the tops of the greens, and, and plant the roots, and now everything is rocking. Everything is happy. There's a couple of things that I, that I have got established here that are that are um, dealing with some plant transplant shock. Just as I potted them up and built nice boxes for them out of the old uh, <laughs> the ruins of the old of the old house that was here, and it's very quaint. It's very rustic, and uh, I'm in love with the aesthetic of it. And the plants, most of them are extremely happy. And it's that implementation of a design that had been completely stuck in the heat of the summer and it was just uh, barely designing the components and then an epic mission to go pick up all the materials or most of them. Um, and the, the design that is the sort of hardened, wind-resistant nursery uh, operation is is a a climbing dome like a playground dome and uh, with a with a wire a quarter inch hardware cloth wire mesh sort of patchwork that I that is sewn onto it with um, with baling wire and uh, <laughs> it's it was it it, it was quite a A comedy. It was very, very comedic. The process of um, trying to get everything, all of the plant stock, tucked away in containers. I also have some uh, galvanized utility tubs uh, that, uh, with a, with a base, a base of sand, so that they can basically act like wicking beds, and they can they can be almost like. Um, being very careful with the concept of not wasting any water and having a deeper basin so that uh, you don't you're not going to drown the plant and it's um it's an art form to choose how to go about um managing drainage or preventing drainage in, in another, with another strategy, one of the things I did building these tree boxes out of two by fours was to um, make several layers of cardboard at the base be a slowly uh, moisture absorbent, but not um, but not not waterproof. So if it was ever waterlogged, it would water would find its way out. But um, but with the normal watering, where it's just a, you know relatively small amount, um, it's not just going to run off quickly. The, the the roots will get everything that they can stand <laughs> while it's there, and uh, and there won't be yeah a wastewater runoff from normal watering. If there's ever you know if there's big rains, then then it will it will it won't be um, drowned in that. But uh, that's very. Um, you know, people use all kinds of things, old clothes, you could line a 
pit with old clothes and phone books and cardboard and newspaper. And uh, it wouldn't kill the plants. The, the materials wouldn't be toxic. The moisture would eventually get through, but it would, it would slow it down. So that's a big, a big uh, plus in the desert. But, uh, but yeah, so with this dome and moving on to the, the concept of uh, these uh, hacker squirrels that I've been dealing with, and I, I love them. I consider them to be my, the most affectionate, well, some of, some of the most affectionate creatures towards me out here and they're adorable. And, uh, I, I hang out with them and, and, and kick down my spirit plate food to them. Of course, uh, there's nothing left on that spirit plate in the morning or even five minutes after I put anything out. We are both subsisting mainly off of ses- ground sesame seeds as, uh, as the staple sesame seeds and pumpkin seeds and almonds. That's what I have been, um, subsisting on for my, my, um, staples and, uh, my paleo non-grain based staples or non-grass, I should say staples. Um, so because I love the squirrels so much, I have no ill will towards them whatsoever. And I don't consider them a pest or a menace. I consider them a blessing keep me company and we we seem to enjoy each other and they're they're very comfortable being around me and hanging out so we we have bonded and uh yeah with i'd say many of them i couldn't tell you their names i don't i don't go as far as to name them individually but uh there's quite a there's quite a lot of them and they they have a lot of um burrows out there and they're just um i'm seeing how they do their thing out there and learning a lot from them so this concept of uh, them hacking, them being hackers, is that my, my experience in arid regions, you try to establish trees without heavy mesh, wire mesh protection, either sheltering them in a secure nursery or and or planting them out with a gopher wire a very uh small um the smaller mesh of the gopher wire basically you're setting yourself up just put putting them out their raw they're gonna they're gonna get pulled down from below their or their roots are gonna get chewed off or the moisture around the outer uh bark is gonna get is gonna get chewed chewed around so that they basically die standing up you know, I mean meaning that uh, it's a it's it's a gruesome heart-wrenching <laughs> never-ending battle to to establish a food forest where the critters will stop at nothing to extract the moisture from that let alone the fruit so <laughs> you know even if you get them established you getting to the fruit before they do and the fact that they're willing to eat it far before it's ripe and they're not going to complain about the texture or how sweet it is they're going to get to that moisture they're going to get to those calories and and that's going to be that and I've I've been through I've been through a lot of a lot of those tears and a lot of those situations and there are things that you can do about it but mostly um I think the solution to all of the problems in the garden is plant more, you know, <laughs> just fucking plant more. If you, if you lost, you know, if, if, uh, 
if you missed out on the harvest, you need to probably plant more. So, um, so I didn't experience any major losses because I went into beast mode to get that dome. Uh, it was already it was already built up the dome, but 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 cutting the pieces of cutting the the patchwork of the wire mesh and then uh, overlapping it. Um, holding it in place, wiring it together, getting it basically held in one, basically covering the whole space and then knowing that it's it's completely porous because everywhere there's you know, a, a quarter, a, a, a quarter like a, like a silver dollar or a quarter size, half dollar size hole or or even i mean with some critters i've i I have seen and know of and heard of the 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 rule of thumb that uh at least mice can squeeze themselves through something the whole the size of a dime like that's how small they can scrunch themselves up these squirrels are definitely a little bit bigger um but there are desert or kangaroo rats and desert squirrels out here and uh, they take their turns going, going from uh, a night shift and a day shift to, to penetration test all of my, <laughs> all of my work, and so, I knowing that I, it was a race to, against time to get to get that that dome all all uh, patched up and then stitched up to the best of my ability and my my sensibility seeing trying to i mean i did not create a 100 percent closed seam across all of those overlaps eventually eventually i may i may go to that length but for now because there's a lot of other things competing for my time and energy to get done before it gets too cold now i'm in this beautiful gap between the the the, the deadly heat and the deadly cold so trying to get a lot done and just trying to get stuff proof of concept in place so luckily the worst that has happened so far as i have piecemeal um closed those gaps as much as possible uh from every time i've had to slide it around or move it at all you know the gaps change so ultimately building a door building a secure door into the dome through the mesh for me <laughs> uh, and uh, so that I don't I don't have to move it around and, and there is like extra mesh going underneath on the inside and then weighting that down with rocks so there's no gaps anymore at the bottom uh, I saw them skip I saw them get through a gap in the bottom at one point and I, I was amazed at their their ninja skills and then um you know multiple over the course of a couple of weeks up to now i think i i think at this point i finally have them um have them sewn out of the mesh but uh but they would get in there and they would they would uh break off and start munching on the figs there's definitely uh some uh, a number of dwarf figs uh a dwarf fig that's fruiting so they they've they've gotten at that and mowed down some of my uh my greens and uh i consider it to be their their uh their paycheck their compensation for doing me the favor of penetration testing that um that mesh for me and uh 
eventually because I would catch them in there and then I would see them. It's It seems to be far easier for them to find their way in. When I'm not looking, they can find their way in nice and easy. But when they see me and I see them and they want to get out of there because as much as we may be friends, I mean, I could get it. It's funny because I could go in there and I could drop some some sesame seeds down and then we they will be hanging out right next to me and it would but if i make a sudden move it's it's just i don't know i don't know i haven't studied squirrel um paranoid psychology their nervous systems but it seems like if you move slowly or you're still then they'll act like you're not even there uh but if you move suddenly boom they're they disappear they're gone so it, I didn't. I did not like the feeling when I did have to. I would catch him in there and be like, "Okay, this is. You're going to earn that meal because now I got to see how you're getting out of here." And um, it, it it took longer and longer for them to find a way out, and they were climbing up and just. See, I'm seeing them do trapeze work and tightrope work and. Uh, all kinds of crazy acrobatics and their ninja jumps from heights I couldn't believe and not even being phased by it. And I started to feel like I'm going to really be sad and I'm going to really be upset if, if, if they're distressed to the point where they injure themselves trying to get out of here. So I would eventually, uh, just let them out. Um, if they, and then the longer it would take for them to get out, the, the, the more confidence I had that there were, that I had, I had sealed it up. And they got, believe me, they got their, uh, <laughs> they got their payment for it. It was worth it for them. Keep coming back, and and eventually, I just said, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this the right way, and um, I'm gonna throw throw just start the day off. Throw some seeds in there, and if I can't be there, like I'll just do my what if I'm cutting lumber or whatever, whatever I'm doing. I'm gonna I'm gonna situate myself so that I can monitor their movements um coming into it so i did get to see the aha that's the last place they seem to be getting in from uh i hope but but since since a day where i caught one spot where it was like yeah i would have never seen that because it was it was almost like one of those uh those trick patterns where you you have to look at it a certain way for 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 you to see the embedded image like I would have seen through it or past it and then seen the way that they got into it. So yeah, it was interesting and it definitely speaks to the um, the lessons about cybersecurity, about, about penetration testing, red teaming, blue teaming, attack surface, uh, threat modeling. These are all things that uh, basically led to me, uh, me going through phases, multiple phases to to, to first secure and harden my my website to eventually re- just getting rid of it altogether um, because because it was basically an ongoing game of uh, it's not so much whack-a-mole it was more like this game of um, the the squirrel and the mesh dome where there's so many there's such an infinite attack surface of a of a content management system running a wordpress website you know there's so many things it's just so much time goes into monitoring that updating plugins um 
trying to have visibility into what kind of patching and version management is happening on the back end of a server that's you know you're not paying a lot for and just not being worth it and i i i I would feel better and sleep better at night knowing that uh that i'm simply redirecting people to (laughs) to places where they can find me and find my work and, and engage with me where the security where the venture funded very well venture funded security teams of those platforms can do all of that work for me and if they are negligent or they drop the ball it's on them and i think i choose wisely i use industry standard services uh nothing substandard but um but it makes me feel better going a better knowing a they're paying they're they're paying the big bucks to hire the the pro the pros to to secure their platforms and um and if if they if they have a i mean i'm not collecting again I, i'm not i'm i <laughs> have learned my lesson the hard way about how impossible to manage online accounts are and i the last thing i want to do is be personally liable for things like gdpr liable for um the cookie policy i mean just trying to navigate that stuff you never know how to be fully compliant and it's just a matter of does somebody have it out for you or not so i'm not saying i have zero liabilities but uh but certainly outsourcing that risk it makes me sleep better at night and uh and as as i was as i was in the process of taking my website down in phases and and distributing distributing the content to different platforms i I just kept thinking about how like god i love being attacked by rabbits and (laughs) and slugs and snails and gophers and all kinds of insects and uh and fungi like a, they they seem they don't I don't attribute malice to them they're just getting a snack and as far as they're concerned uh, I'm just out here creating a buffet for them doesn't seem to I don't seem to be trying too hard to keep them out um, and then sometimes with a lot of things that I've planted and a lot of more forgiving uh, climates you know there is a big buffet for everybody you know and and I plant so much that <laughs> that they eat more of it than I do and that's okay because they're spreading the seeds better than I could they're bringing in nutrients from the whole system by urinating and defecating in the vicinity uh, even bringing in birds and bees and everything so it's like everybody is having their this this pot like everybody's feasting in the garden and I take a small percentage of it and I get to experience the beauty I get to have the companionship and I get to to establish a forest wherever I go and that's a good thing to feel good about and to behold and to enjoy and I don't really need that much of the food from it once it gets established so believe me I've produced more I don't know what the ratio is probably hundreds of times more edible biomass in the gardens that I planted than I have actually consumed granted I'm still importing the bulk of my uh of my staple foods but I've also had the experience of building redundancy out with sweet potatoes and taro and knowing that um in the last place I was at 
we had basically epic we had epic caloric battery banks where to me I'd rather not subsist off of starches so much but if I had to I could there that was my that was a a, a threshold for me to be able to say like yeah there's regenerative calorie crops uh staple food crops that are that are producing uh useful greens like the edible sweet potato greens providing living mulch providing habitat basically being a spinach you know that i like the idea of um well well in the interim between a, a mature nut canopy forest where i'm able to grow my own nuts um for now i'm importing that but uh but you get the picture whether you were trained in this or not it's a matter of it's a supply chain you know it's these are interesting supply chains you're on a you have multiple um timelines of the supply chain of growing your own regenerative calories um and then how you juggle the availability and how much dry food storage you do so i've got you know i've got my buckets i got my mylar bags i got my o2 absorbers um and uh and i'm pretty well topped off to go for quite a while and uh and i do believe this time this last um this last sort of uh canned vegetables versus um vegetable salad garden uh perennial yielding going on like i decide i I felt like this is the gonna be the last i will i should no longer have to buy any uh any herb or vegetable um canned foods they i subsisted on them up to this point to where now i have established the perennials in a way that my my greens and my herbs are now rocking and um and that's a beautiful thing so it's not that is way easier to accomplish to to cease the purchasing of imported herbs and vegetables uh and then to to have those needs met by regenerative perennial and annual systems that that took a week to do i mean that was the easiest thing to do that's like going and buying some six packs or doing what i did buying the the alliums and whatnot um but yeah picking up one trip to the nursery having some some soil compost mixing it up some containers or planting in beds if you if you've got them um and then boom you're done buying vegetables for, for at least greens and herbs of course the vegetables that you grow that you don't eat the parts you don't eat the leaves you don't you know you're waiting for like an egg an eggplant or a pepper or um well then there's the continuum between different types of fruits and vegetables but um but yeah i mean next we'll be getting the grapes you know producing there's already it's a beautiful feeling to say i'm looking at figs i'm looking at passion fruit i will be looking at grapes soon and those are monsters those are 
production machines that um, that are hard to keep up with, and uh, and their epic yields. And then, of course, I will be continuing to add more and more and more over as as um, as the season allows, and as my my purchasing um, power, you know, spreading that out. Um, and also just testing slowly. I don't want to get too much all at once, but I got quite a bit, and everything is, everything is is definitely um, adapting well and and and, and productive. So, um, and yeah, having the squirrels <laughs> like do their part to they got they got their payment. They helped me secure that. And so you know, going back to this tactical notion of cybersecurity, cyber warfare, and 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 the way i feel about securing a perimeter the good feelings i have towards that the tactics of securing a perimeter against uh i don't call them pests i call them you know they're all friends to me they're all teachers they're all friends they all are part of the ecosystem so um it's just a matter of ba- of, of creating a balance between just creating balances and checks and balances within that food chain that's the real work is having a healthy balanced food chain so that <laughs> the pests are are kept in check by beneficial predators and somewhere along the line you're you're getting you're getting in that action too somewhere along the line you're eating something or you're you know from compost worms you're not necessarily eating compost worms but they're doing a great service for you and uh and it was beautiful that uh i had i had brought compost worms out here red red wiggler compost worms or manure worms uh, they're sometimes called such a beautiful element in the system and something that they, they've been with me for so long and i brought a little unfortunately the first um the first refugees I brought with me out here, it, you know, the summer came and just baked everything, and I couldn't, I I couldn't even move to like help extend their habitat. But but what comes full circle is the the, the nursery the nursery plants I brought in at the bottom of at the bottom of those uh, containers as I swapped them out into the boxes I built. There was red regular worms, and so the story begins again and i just have to nurse them up and they will be um they will be living in a in a maintained um microclimate that's suitable for them and i will buffer them from drying out and from the sun and from the red ants so that they can become um very prolific and 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 very productive (laughs) and these are the these are the things where like I don't want uh I'm I'm working the the office work that I that I continue to do in my digital life I'm I'm continuing to reduce that attack surface and trading that attack surface for attack surface in my garden which I feel a lot is a lot more manageable a lot more um predictable a lot more uh um honorable and 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 rewarding and and <laughs> there's no malice
there's no gotcha, you know. If anything, I mean, I have enough dry food, dry fruit, and canned fruit, and I'm doing the various preservation techniques and whatnot. So I'm spoiled with fruit. So if the, if a squirrel gets in there and and gets one of those uh, one of those figs, and on the way out I get to see the way that it escaped, and then I got to go seal that up. I haven't heard them or seen them in there for for enough days in a row now that I think that it's finally done. And now now I'm going to go back to um, the spirit plate and just uh, making my offerings to them uh, without them you know, uh, robbing me blind in my sleep, but, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, bless the, uh, the ethical hackers, the white hat hacking squirrels, they're here to help me, uh, they got their cut, they got their bug bounty, and, uh, and nobody got hurt in the process of, of exploring, uh, the weaknesses in the system, they did epic, ninja moves that uh didn't slow them down a bit and so uh, i think everybody everybody did well and uh it just again reminds me of uh <laughs> this is the this is the dream for me this is living the dream and believe me from the cubicle to i mean just that ratio of of digital life cyber office cyber warfare being in the freaking cockpit of the cyber battlefield of like watching like literally in that tug of war with hackers in the moment seeing how they're penetrating your defenses and getting into your network and uh exfiltrating data and having to inspect packets and look up the dns um records and and see how they're basically uh yeah they're bleeding out bleeding you out it it makes me feel very good to have devices turned off and to and to have what some people call a data centric approach really um really doing better to uh to not have all of the, all of your secrets and all of your sensitive files be um, streaming across the uh, across the internet connected device and um, ever ever uh, deepening and, and sophisticating, if that's a word, the nuances of uh, of least privilege and of um, you know data bunkers you know that's that's a way to, uh, an important way to think about it i mean <laughs> if everything if every if you never if you never um delete your text messages if you never process and clear and export your inbox or whatever like you never encrypt make off offline um encrypted backups of uh, of your even just your pictures on your phone. I mean, if everything on your phone and your desktop or your laptop is just sitting there, uh, even if it's encrypted at rest or there's full disencryption, <laughs> if that drive is mounted and you're on the internet uh, ever, there are um, not even the most sophisticated hackers in the world that can that can uh, enter your environment through uh un as yet undiscovered vulnerabilities in the software that you 
freely tell them um, from their port scanning that you are running various uh, various um, services and and applications, possibly signaling the version numbers so they can just go take a little trip on the dark web and find the appropriate uh, exploits for whatever is on your machine and then use that to get in and have uh, remote code execution. And then from there, they can um, delete files, encrypt files, ransomware you, uh, extort you. Um, and so... If you were, uh, if you run a business and you're listening to me right now, I really think you should you should uh, check out DataBreachToday.com to uh, to get scared stiff and <laughs> get scared straight to to want to want to get serious about uh, about studying cybersecurity. And uh, I've already said it before. I don't expect that. Uh, I, I I expect that there are people out there who if I ever rise to a certain level of prominence, we'll be like, uh-uh, not so fast. We hoovered out all of your secrets. <laughs> like, when you were far less advanced in your cybersecurity uh, personal journey, and we've just been waiting for the right time to uh, to blackmail you with something. But as I've said before, <laughs> the more I've hardened my my file systems the more you know being mortified about the potential risk of ransomware and um you know whether it's a a spray and pray attack where they're just going after anybody or whether it's someone who really has it out for me um you know the 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 threats are real uh they get worse every day and you can you know you can this is this goes for everybody i mean you should even if whether you're running a business, whether you have other people's personal information that you're responsible for, for me, I purged as much uh, of other people's um, information as I could, uh, encrypted stuff that I've needed to hold on to, and um, through various strategies, uh, cold storage, uh, remote strategies, whatnot. Um, but just, you know, complicating authorization reducing attack surface not being the lowest hanging fruit hopefully um, making it slowing down and making it more costly to to you know not just having that kick me sign on me and not being pantsed publicly all the time you know um, that's the goal because someone wants to humiliate you ruin your life extort you blackmail you ransomware you they will do it while you sleep and uh, I feel like most of my vulnerable anything is just a lot of my old love letters and just a lot of my old um, hopeless romantic um, sort of uh, memoirs and things but definitely um, definitely choosing my battles as wisely as I can and and every day I want to spend more time doing red teaming blue team exercises with squirrels in my garden (laughs) and less time inspecting my network traffic and uh and and retooling and upgrading and, and 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 optimizing my my Cybersecurity strategies. Um, 
they're both necessary for sure. So <laughs> eventually I will enjoy a lifestyle where um, I only communicate with people who can't hear my... If you're out of earshot, you're going to... We're going to communicate with the tin cans and a wire, <laughs> and that's about as far as I'm going to need, as I'm going to care to communicate. Or I'll, 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 I'll commit my blockchain transactions via smoke signal or something like that. That would be amazing. That would be great. I'll do. I'll use a signal mirror to 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 uh, <laughs> to broadcast my <laughs> my public keys to the network and sign transactions. That would be amazing. But. Um, yeah, that is a good, that is a good, uh, a fun little story about, about the continuum that I am on going from high stakes cyber to high stakes permaculture. And, um, you know, having a backup plan along the way, having backups, right? So the equivalent of having data backups offline encrypted system images meaning the operating system that you use that you continue to update your your app your applications on and as you continue to get the operating system updates um, and you continue to make your configurations if anything gets squirrely as it were in that environment meaning you open an attachment or you maybe let some maybe let down your guard installed something that you know you've got the heebie-jeebies about you roll back to a system image that you created uh which means you basically back up not just the files that you're using but you back up the entire snapshot of the operating system and put that offline so it cannot be affected by a by malware which is just basically software that comes in there and looks at everything connected and encrypts it all, encrypts it all so you can't use it so if you have a backup that's connected to your computer that's connected to the internet it <laughs> that's the one of the first things the 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 malware the software the ransomware is going to go for encrypt the backups and infect them as well so you can't trust them so I've got backup food. If the squirrels ate all my figs, I can survive off of my backup food storage. And is and I'm not. I would be. I would be sad. I wouldn't be upset so much, but I would be sad if they just went in there and didn't even eat the fruit and just girdled the freaking, um, just tore the tore the skin off the the off the bark. They don't just. I've seen that before. Just go almost like they're they're vandals you know but uh but they're not they're just they're just thirsty too but uh no for me the trees are alive the 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 attackers the hackers they got in and they they snagged some fruit but i i have my backup i have my i have all kinds of backup fruit supplies i'm I'm okay with so i was able to endure that sacrifice no problem so interesting parallels and, and, and a fun a fun uh, <laughs> teachable moment for cybersecurity and the tactics of cybersecurity and the tactics of, of garden the garden and the pen testing. It definitely was like a sweet moment for me to say this is the kind of red this is the kind of blue teaming I want to be doing.